doing... So what are you doing? Nothing. Nothing? Why not? Trying to get on the Slicedown Radio website. Sounds like a cool website. Yeah, it's alright. Oh, wait, I might have it. You might have it. You're listening to Lifestyle Radio. The opinions expressed during this show are those of the individual participants and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of their associated organizations or Lifestyle Radio. Did you make my seat I, lower on purpose? I, yeah, you guys did. <laughs> well, <laughs> the only green chairs I could find, they're from Ikea. Hey, everybody, and uh, welcome, welcome to the Higher State. State. My name's Dr. Iron Price, but we know that because we've been doing this for so long. Um, and, uh, of course, Tyler's here. Hey, hey. We have a pretty packed group of people for the first time on the show uh, that actually live in, in the makeshift studio. We've got Al, who's in. Today, so we can actually see his mugging yes, as he uses his shatterizer, <laughs> and uh, he's got a party to go to after. So we got to finish at 4:20 because it's a birthday. Is it a birthday? Al, can't I talk about it? It's a birthday party. This is, we're going to a birthday party, but we have two awesome guests here today uh, as well. We have uh, Philip Millar, who is uh, an ex uh, or is a military veteran. Also, former prosecutor, may still be a prosecutor, former pro- former prosecutor, lawyer, cannabis crusader now, because, of course, he's been nominated. Really important. Uh, and it's, no, it isn't. It's important. And um, also works in the can- medical cannabis space, has clinics, works with vets. Going to talk all about that. We're going to talk about, um, uh, what's it called when you drive the road and you get pulled over? A daily routine. Uh, what, like a, <laughs> a, a roadside test? Right. No, but impaired. What's the one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Impaired drive. Impairment and uh, roadside testing. Anyway, uh, with cannabis. And then uh, and we're just going to talk about all things. Uh, and then we also have really interesting. So I don't know if you guys have been looking at the uh, Facebook post. No, Instagram posts that I've put up in the last couple of days. But uh, Jennifer Mason is here from uh, – she's co-founder of Cannabis – medical education or cannabis med ed uh and it's uh cme programs for physicians but you don't have to be a healthcare practitioner or whatever to show up to these things uh anybody could show up uh and you've got we're doing one at mcmaster on the 10th of this month and uh i've of no yeah it's june isn't it no, june now <laughs> you know i had family day yesterday so i lost all all i lost all sense of time did I miss the note to get high before <laughs> yeah, yeah. you did I, you may have missed that note uh yeah so those are all things happening but in the news to start anything in the news tyler that you can think of anything else on my head in the news uh, i lost the internet so I'll so tell i've you. been seeing increases of actually people calling them cops on themselves there's Sorry, been a what? few of these articles well so there was one um, <laughs> is this a truth thing yeah no i can see right here so uh, people are dumb early so earlier last no, maybe week there was nice. a person in the uk who had a massive grow up and called the cops because of something going on in the area sure enough they came in the house found the grow up arrested him oh and like then, it was illegal grow yeah, up. like it was <laughs> so basically you're calling the cops on yourself you call the cops to your house right here another one man calls for help gets arrested when cops smell cannabis i was reading this before he had garbage bags of weed hidden in his garbage and in his uh, washing machine and the cops found them as soon as they went to his house to help with whatever issue he had so hold on a sec but i thought you're allowed to have can- oh you can this oh, you is can't. in the u.s oh well there was something else that happened in the u.s this week um tsa has approved the travel with cbd 
from him only fda approved which basically nothing is yet oh so only it fda approved do not so try what do you and carry walk, anything what do you have to do walk around with a symbol that says fda no it'll be packaged like that when they start selling it in walgreens oh, cbs and the, all that yeah so what's that hemp-based cbd that's through the farm act in the u.s is now uh is oh it is so you can't can you so i'll tell you i walk around here in canada they when i cross the border i was always confused when i crossed the border uh or not cross the border sorry i know what that is how to travel within canada Mm -hmm. so did you do you have to have it in you know special containers does that i literally just put it in mason jars and walk across or walk on the plane now in the past when it was medical how is somebody going to know that it's the fucking fda uh, a, if you're carrying cannabis, oh, I'm like it's cannabis. not FDA approved product in the U.S. Mm-hmm. If it has any THC oh, right. in it, it has to be hemp based. Oh, really? And the hemp based stuff they're looking at, it's not going to be bud. It's going to be topical creams. It's going to be drinks and beverages, things along those lines. So what about places right now like uh, that are that are legal? You just can't cross state borders with it? Like from Canada? No, from the U.S. We don't cross state borders. So can you cross state border in yeah. from illegal to from legal to legal? You can. So no, one of my can't. parent companies uh, is in Oregon and we go to California a lot. So California allows you to fly with your cannabis. Mm-hmm. Oregon, you can fly with your ca- cannabis. The real question is, can you by law? No. Mm-hmm. What is the enforcement mechanism between Oregon and California airports? TSA agents looking for weapons like there's not mm-hmm. really customs or duty people there that are going to arrest you. Uh, so, you know, I fly with it. I'm not suggesting people do anything illegal, but it, there's no real enforcement mechanism. Like, you're not going through customs, which is going to look for excise or customs. You know, you're not gonna, there's nobody there to really arrest you. But uh-huh. if they smell you in an airport, you know, if, if you, let's say, stop over in Salt Lake City. Right. Right. Or another thing and you have it on you. That's where you're. But you should have a bunch mm-hmm. of wives if you stop off there. You just can't, you can't have that's cannabis, you but you might as well have four or five wives. Too, when you're flying within the <laughs> states or flying over the U.S. carrying anything, it's you're federally illegal in those states. It's if you have an emergency landing, you yeah. land, you're in a different state. Yeah. So think of it that way, too. If you're flying from California to Oregon and you have to land in Nevada because there's an emergency. It's legal in Nevada, but yeah. it's legal in Nevada, but that's your issue. You can land in the states. Where Is Arizona? Yep, Arizona's medical. Okay, yeah. and they just issued today an act on concentrates to save concentrates from being banned. Oh, look at that—the guy that said there's no fucking news. Oh, uh, just today. So you did what read the news. news? Oh, you looked at I it read there. A lot. I got a guys. A uh, I've reinstated the swear jar today. <laughs> I'll just make it. <laughs> it's gonna go to background. There's twenty yeah. bucks. <laughs> it's gonna. It's that's awesome. It's gonna go to the uh, to a, a person who can't afford their cannabis. Okay, well, there's not a whole lot happening in the news except um, it's. Oh shoot, we guess, got more. Uh, Biotechnologies partnered with Harvard. They're funding Harvard $3 million and a three-year contract to research cannabis with them. What are they going to study? I, you know what's interesting? I see They're all, like, studying a whole oh. long list of things. I oh, really? It's a very long list, yeah. Oh, so you've already looked at this. Yep. Interesting. Because, uh, which reminds me, if, uh, Corey, I forgot to call you back if you're listening. Uh, that's our research guy. I can't. I uh, forgot to call you back. I'll get to it. Okay. Well, that's good for news. I have one news All right. Let's hear it. Um, okay. So um, I thought it was kind of interesting that there's a class action. Do suit. we want to bring that yeah. closer? Better? Yeah. yeah. Okay. There's a class action suit going on right now in BC against pharma. Uh, 
Yes. Pharmaceutical companies. Correct. Who for promoting for promoting, for promoting opioids. opioids. Yeah. And Ontario is looking to join. So I thought that yeah. was a really interesting topic. Ontario is looking to join yeah, that. To join did, the class. Did we hear that? With BC. Yeah, I didn't so, hear that yet. Yeah. So that came out like yesterday, the day before. Excellent. And I just thought that that's like a really important thing for the medical community to consider because if they are actually part of that situation, at some point they could be at risk of being... Mm-hmm. Sued if they're not looking at all the options, you know. And uh, I was on this morning with Raheem Dalai. He's one of our speakers. He's a pharmacist. I like Raheem. He's, He's a awesome. good guy. Yeah, and he was just saying that basically medical professionals get trained on about 15 different drugs, and they write those prescriptions, and that's for everything basically. And they're not really that open-minded to new stuff. So there's like we there's a huge hump that we have to get over. But these type of stories are helpful. I you think, know, for people for sure. to shift. You know, it's funny about Raheem when I when we remember when we were doing that last show and I kept fall kept on making fun not making fun of him but because pharmacists and physicians we have like these two we're like two polar opposites we are very clinical everything is like clinical go go like we got to treat we got to treat things and then we have things that we have things like um uh then we have pharmacists and they're all like they like the basic science so whenever we put up farm Whenever I have to do like physiology and pharma uh, pharma pictures, I usually put like a sleeping kid because we're all <laughs> falling asleep. And every and I was moderating that, and every time he kept getting up there, I'm like, "All right, and back to sleep, everyone." But he's a pretty engaging person. Yeah, he is, you yeah. know, you it's interesting that you said that because that initially came out in two like uh, it was like January time, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit before, maybe yeah. just the end of 2018. And uh, by the way, I think we're like changing different plugs and and look, our wires are the wrong way. I don't know. We have we're having feedback from something anyway. um, Back in December, when that whole idea came out, that uh, uh, it was actually the the province that's taking the pharmaceutical company to task. They're they're actually suing them for the treatment programs for opioid addicts. Mm That's what they're doing. They're, yeah. and, and that makes sense. Yeah. Um, it was a great idea. I can't imagine Doug Ford jumping on that bandwagon, though. I mean, we are a broke province, so maybe that is something he's... There's a, there's a case going on in the States as well, where they've got the pharmaceutical company there for misrepresenting the New companies. Jersey. But if you were to ask me, it's, you can sue the pharmaceutical company, that's fine. But we need to also consider suing the doctors. Yeah. Because I call bullshit on these doctors who just pretend that they were just victims of pharmaceutical companies. Yes. Mm. They didn't do their due diligence. Many of them have ignored alternatives like cannabis and so continue to prescribe opiates when they know there's addictions. Because really, they're just interested in billing OHIP. People keep coming in with pain. The only way to get rid of them, give them a script, send them away. And they haven't been bothered to get to know what cannabis can do. And that's why mm. I think these conferences that Jen's working with are really important for doctors. Yeah, and another thing Raheem said to me today that I thought was fascinating is he said sometimes people get addicted to opioids in the dental chair. Like they're going in for some sort of dental mm-hmm. surgery and then they, it comes about that way. So it's not even like you could... Well, they're still do- they're doctors. They're DDS, doctors of dental. recently went in to get like set up to get my wisdom teeth removed. Mm-hmm. And I've known my dentist since like he's one of my dad's closest friends and he's like i haven't prescribed opioids once and he's been practicing for 20 years right so what and does he use he uses a regimen of advil and tylenol and okay them at different times of the day to help with inflammation and pain right and he's never prescribed an opioid and he does all kinds of surgeries dental surgeries yeah which yeah. is really good to hear so he might be somebody to who's open to, to cannabis Canvas too yeah when i was sitting in the chair he said to me he's like i know you have your own way of dealing with pain 
So yeah, okay. He knows what I'll be doing. I have doing. a couple of dentists who uh, rather than do nitrous, like what dentists want are calm patients. Some people mm -hmm. have phobias, mm -hmm. right? And now they'll they'll send them over for advice on how to get like an indica just to chill people out on the chair. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. You know, I so you I mean, wow, you got right into that let's let's blame the doctor part. <laughs> <laughs> ah, fuck. Let's sue the doctor. Yeah, well, <laughs> Well, so, I mean, I think what you're doing, I think with that, I, I don't disagree in some circumstances. To be honest, I think physicians, have, one, have been duped for quite a long time. Two, I mean, we're human after, they're human after all. I do not prescribe opioids in a uh, chronic setting, but in an acute setting, there yes. is a role for narcotics. Oh, for sure. Right? Yeah. You know, as you're a military guy. You see somebody that's, you know, just has a sustains a blast trauma what are they going to do they're going to stick an iv in you and they're going to give you morphine right there because you need that mm -hmm. uh in acute setting there is a role for it and some people do develop an addiction just from the first time they take uh, you know try morphine percocet anything yeah. of that sort so there is a role now there are physicians over time these guys just prescribe and prescribe this stuff it's complicated though and the reason why it's complicated, because it's not just the physician. When you have a patient, a physician is worried about what? Two things. Really one thing at the end of the day, they don't want to get sued, right? <laughs> That's like the main yeah. focus of medicine, medical mm -hmm. practice now is fear of the college and fear of being sued, which is really comes down to fear of the college and fear of being sued. I guess they're all in the same sort of, sort of realm. Where do most 99% of all grievances come from? Patient complaints? Patient complaints. Patient complaints because, one, they didn't get what they wanted to get, so they tell you a story, something they make up, uh, or it was uh, unsatisfactory care of some mm -hmm. sort. I mean, then there's obviously the ones that that show up in, you know, there's abuse and all those things. Of course, I'm not including any of that stuff. I do believe it's the responsibility of the college to investigate all these things. The problem is if a, it's a lot easier for a physician to say, Here's your script because all you're doing is giving me grief and I don't want to deal with that and I don't want to deal with the college complaint, even though the college will likely throw it out. But now my name is on the radar and uh, and then, then not just on the radar when there is an investigation by the college, it's not just into a specific complaint. They then say we're going to open a, a uh, we're going to open up your entire practice everywhere you work and we're going to start looking at the at the at right. the nitty gritty not just the little that's what happened to me mm -hmm. now I'm used to that kind of thing I've been investigated for seven years consecutively probably the longest investigated physician mm -hmm. and that, it's my two, father was on the physician yeah, yeah well I mean anyway I'm I, I'm a, still a member of the I, all these things but it doesn't bother me anymore be as much because I know what I've done is okay and now I know the process that I go through but for a, no a novice physician who's been practicing for 20 years but has never had a grievance brought up against them it's a very scary traumatic yeah. anxiety provoking PTSD causing event it is it's PTSD causing event. hundred percent. Be audited on your practice. Yes. If you're not doing anything wrong, because I've it, worked with a lot it, of them. It and is. Lawyers have the same. A hundred percent. I think it's an excuse. I don't. I I'm disagree gonna, with I you because if you do things the right way, you can come and look at my books. I had a lot of practice. Come look. It, it's it's a pain in the ass when you're focused on just making as much money as possible because it takes you away from billing. I disagree but what drives, with you. What drives most doctors? Quick go hit billing, get them in and out, and money. I got a text right here. I was going to read to you. I went and briefed a doc who was, wants to get into cannabis. Yeah. Right? And I went there with an ex-pharmaceutical sales rep. Don't whitewash the docs. The first thing this guy said to me is, what's in it for me? 
What are you going to do for me? What I'm, are you going to pay me? It's not fear. I'm, it's not fear of the college. I disagree with you. Right? You're, you're, like, you're not, you're not yeah. right. So maybe you have one out of 10 doctors that sees that way. Maybe one out of 10 doctors. Remember these doctors, at the end of the day, the physician is a government employee expected to earn a wage through billing OHIP, yes. through OHIP, but yet at the same time expected to be an entrepreneur, run their own clinic, have their overhead, have all those things. What's wrong with a physician earning a living? Well, now, nothing, nothing wrong with that right so it's okay so if everybody else is allowed to if everybody is allowed to say hey we're all allowed to earn a living it's okay for a physician to earn a living now they have to do it they have to do it with three things and two things really in mind one you can't take advantage of a disadvantaged population i think that's the most important thing we have to remember because we have to do no harm first right so do no harm and don't take advantage of a disadvantaged population those are the most important things and it is super fear provoking because of what happens when you get an audit from the college for these things to happen i'll tell you my first audit went really smoothly but i'll tell yeah. you and i'll tell you what happened hold on give me a second to give me a second because you you brought the issue up i'm going to respond to it um when I was first, my first investigation came through uh, um, a media, uh, the media, right? Yeah, you got into cannabis. Gonna I, yeah, yeah, of course. But uh, I did it in 2010. So the college, mm-hmm. uh, so there was a global national, um, global national uh, expose on patients um, and, uh, and healthcare. And so Global National ambushes me in the bottom of a clinic and says, Dr. Price, you're charging patients to access healthcare. They didn't know is that it's a federal program. You can't at that time. The reason you can bill OHIP now is because of my investigations. Thankfully, I kept on querying OHIP for four years. Eventually, they decided, okay, fine, now you can bill us. Initially, they said it's you can't bill us. It's a federal program. You have to bill the patient. Huh. Uh, and but nobody knew that the colleges didn't know that the I knew that because I had already asked the questions. Uh, the media didn't know that. And so the college comes around. I knew I did nothing wrong. But when they came in and they start doing these audits over and over and over again, there's always a, oh, guess what? You didn't, you know, you write in, literally what they said for me. And the second one is you write in black and blue ink. Nobody thinks like that. So I think, and those things eventually start to impact a person's practice. And that's how you end up practicing Such defensive. Such that they cause PTSD? Certainly. I just go back. You said your first principle is first do no harm. Correct. Right? Then you say, oh my God, if I'm audited, it causes me stress. This is my point. Certainly it does. If your first principle is first do no harm, then you don't, you educate yourself on the medication and you don't prescribe. I agree. And over a bunch of, because you put the the first do no harm to the patient before the inconvenience of audits. And if it means that to be a pioneer, you get audited, that's what... A, a courageous person Correct. does. It so, doesn't necessarily cause PTSD. It's just called well, being a pioneer. It, it does cause PTSD. First, I, I, you know, I'm used to it, so I'm not talking about myself. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about physicians who I, are I refusing to prescribe. Veteran, I get it. People have PTSD. No, no. From like, so you're. Right? So I don't want that phrase thrown out. Being audited as I, a business. Well, I, oh, no, 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 totally disagree. You're telling me the only people that can experience oh, I, post-traumatic are people that were in the military no, no, seeing not guns. Saying that. I'm just saying That's being what you audited literally is said. different. I'm saying you have victims of sexual assault who have represented traumatic car accidents, a first responders. So, so go you've there. clearly never gone through a proper audit over and over again. I have. It's stressful, yeah. right? It's, but if you know, if you're yeah, gonna, you're gonna try and make half a million a year, I've you're seen. Be I've yeah, certainly. I've seen, I've seen a lot of physicians coming out of it suffering from post-traumatic stress from being audited because for two years. Because they don't like years. to be questioned. 
Yes and no. So they don't like to be questioned, but at the same time, if one is doing nothing wrong, but still going through an entire process that is not a fair process, because mm-hmm. it's certainly not a fair process, I don't think you can say they don't have the right to feel the post-traumatic after. Like, I don't think you have the right to can say something say, like that. I don't, I don't know what the answer is, because I think every, you know, post-traumatic stress is... It's, is, a rel- it's, it's, it's relative. relative, right? Certainly. But what I would say, though, is that... Doctors can't say they don't know now. They can't say they I don't agree. have an option. They can't play dumb. They can't yeah. close their eyes and say there's not enough evidence because there is. In certain areas, I agree. there is. I don't think they have any reason not to. And now, aside so from, from fear. From my perspective, it's like, well, if you don't actually get on board with it now, then you could be audited or sued down the line because you're, you're not um, being proactive in getting an, uh, alternative drugs. So that's what I'm thinking, you know? You have a very good point. Um, I think that... So the policies, unfortunately, from the colleges uh, are still a little archaic Mm -hmm. uh, and state that physicians shouldn't or don't have to prescribe it. I know, they they, wouldn't work with us on this program. If they do prescribe it, they're at their own peril prescribing it. So a lot of them stay away from doing that. Does that make it right? No. No. Uh, because I do believe that physicians have a responsibility to do no harm and then do everything they can, which means if we have an option between a cannabinoid and an opioid, I don't. Th- I think hands down now for, you know, n- even non-cancer pain, uh, we have enough evidence out there mm-hmm. to, to be using cannabis uh, hands down. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't take away the fact of, um, of audits that just don't make much sense. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, what... If a physician can't earn a living because, for whatever reason it is, the colleges at the end of the day control their license yeah, to practice. No, I Without it, they can't practice. So they're going to be as conservative as they possibly can. Mm-hmm. And uh, to them, if that means they don't prescribe cannabis because they have a fear in doing it, they won't. I don't necessarily blame them. They got no education for uh, throughout school. Mm-hmm. Nobody had any idea what an endocannabinoid system. It's only people like yourselves and... Uh, you know, that are going out there educating people. Yeah. Well, you know, we talked about... That are doing that. Yeah. And I talked to a lot of doctors who work at a clinics or emergency room, and they say, you know, we do have patients that come that are candidate for uh, cannabis. And they recognize them as either somebody elderly with chronic pain. They're not a a candidate for surgery. They don't want to give them opioids. So what, you know, their strategy is, okay, I'm going to get my secretary to look up the dispensary or or cannabis clinics in the area, and I'm just going to pass them on to them. But, and he's like, so do I even need to come for this education and i'm like okay well in his worry was i don't know these people i'm just recommending them based on geography and i said well that, that's number one you know if you're sending your patient somewhere you should do your due diligence on the partner mm-hmm. clinic that you're going to so coming to these types of events will educate you on what you need to know and the kinds of yeah. questions you need to ask those clinics that are prescribing mm-hmm. but also there's a level of understanding even if you're sending a patient somewhere like are they going to continue to be your patient you're going to see them later shouldn't you understand what they're doing medically wise within their whole yeah you know, you know. health and well-being of their i don't like one of the things i have an issue with is treating these symptoms individually and not looking at person's health holistically and Agreed. that to me is part of this whole dynamic as I'm, well. on the, I'm on the same page in a way like bravery is not the absence of fear it's actions action in the presence of fear and if you want to call yeah. yourself you know um a pioneer you're gonna you're gonna have to accept it if Agreed. you're, you're gonna say that you're gonna do what's i agree good for i'm people, talking about the yeah, average yeah, physician I, I here but Colleges are horrific. Like we have the law society, you have your college, the veterinary college just 
gave out a, a direction to all veterinarians that they're forbidden to even yeah. mention cannabis. What? And yet mm-hmm. the vets are using cannabis on their own pets. Yeah. But people come in who have um, a dog that's got tremors. Or, yeah. you know, and, a, and the college has told the veterinarians, wow. you are not to mention cannabis. You're forbidden to even talk about it. Wow. Uh, and, you know, the, and why would the college say that? Like just, it's a pure cover your ass. Moment. Yeah. It's a cover your ass. And where I think we also agree is on the idea that there is a lot of interest going around. Mm-hmm. And um, I do agree with you that there are physicians out there that that don't that don't have you know patients' best interests in mind. Um, even though they started off that way, uh, I think circumstances led, may have perhaps led yeah, them I think down at a the path. Start, like that last talk, I said to them, "Look, you can be worried about the college investigating you, but if somebody comes to you now who's got chronic pain, right, and asks for more opiate and needs more opiates, but they say to you, hey, is cannabis an option? If that physician doesn't isn't able to give a proper response to that and prescribes more opiates, that is where the doctors yeah. are at risk. They yes. will be sued I, for I professional agree. negligence. And there. I think well, there's another party that uh, needs to come to this table, which will make a huge difference, and uh, that's the insurance companies. They need to cover medicinal cannabis. So we are. Yeah. So that's what I did. Not know. everybody, that's, though. It's right. rare. Not a lot of insurance companies. So, okay. Yeah. All right. Hey, everyone. So what a great intro. Time for a commercial. <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing. Uh, that We're was serious, amazing. I tell yeah. You. yeah, we got right into we it. We need to get high it. to chill. Oh, I love it. I love it. No, that that's good. No, these yeah. are important yeah. conversations. Yeah. You know, we don't always have these conversations where there are people that have different views. I actually yeah. think we're probably saying the same thing just in different ways. Sure. But um, where we have like different viewpoints. So, you know, especially those that are challenging the physician. And I mean, it's funny because, you know, I, I usually get this comment. Uh, I'm too physician for the community. I'm too community for the physician. And uh, I'm stuck somewhere in between this whole mm-hmm. thing. Uh, so I find myself defending the physician pers- uh, perspective to the community, and, I per- and, and then I find myself protecting the community when I'm with the physician. So I, I kind of see both sides of, of this angle. Anyway, of the story. But that was amazing. Okay, let's <laughs> let's get into uh, Philip. That Yo, was the so intro. Oh, sorry. I didn't that, was our, that was our <laughs> intro. That was, uh, that was an amazing heated intro, like everybody like getting on there. Um, Philip Millar. Tell me about yourself. This is, you know, so we have Philip here. He's a military vet uh, and then went into uh, law afterwards and has opened up uh, medical clinics that helps vets as well. Yeah. And I did have a question for you eventually. Let, well, remind me, my question has to do with, you said you were setting up, you do like um, pa- benefit packages. Yeah. Is it for vets or do you do it for general public as well? First, tell me who you are and all so that. So by way of background, I was a, yeah. a combat um, officer in um, and got out of the military. I uh, lost my eyesight in my right eye. When when were you in the military? <clears throat> From 1992 into 19, um, 2000. Wow. 2000. And anyhow, so big fan of the Canadian military and yeah. vets. And then the uh, in Canada, I'd say... Canada takes care of its vets. There's always people who complain, but Canada takes care of its vets Mm -hmm. because it's the only country in the world that provides medical cannabis for its vets. And prior to doing that, we had a lot of suicides, about 50 suicides a year. Shocking. And um, I I was somewhat involved in helping to get that political movement to fund it. And then we had a 90% reduction in suicides from PTSD. The next year. Do you think that was related to cannabis? It is because from my experience, I'm not a physician, although I've played one on TV. The, um, <laughs> I can see that. The, uh, You're like Joey. The, Prince. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> Ross. But sleep is, you know, if you come back, like if you have severe PTSD, your brain won't stop firing. 
if you don't sleep for more than 90 minutes, you can't relax. And for a lot of vets, they come back, they're away. They can't wait to come back, reconnect with their family, society, make sweet love, do all that stuff. They come back, they can't sleep, they're put on meds, they're impotent, Mm -hmm. they start to drink, and then that's what leads down the path. So with some of the guys, and I know you know some of them, they have their first night's good night's sleep when when we gave them those indica, uh, the vaporized indica, and then they would just cry in the morning because they slept. And so I think think that allows them to get out of the house. Changes your perspective Uh, when you just want to sleep. Like that's the most important thing. Well, you can't can't heal. It's the same in other cases. So anyhow. I think that's wonderful because I remember when I started, the military used to send me letters, don't don't ever send Mm -hmm. our patients or any of our vets this is going back 2010. They didn't start covering it until 2013 or 14 or mm-hmm. something like that. They they used to send me nasty letters from the military. I'm like, oh, I got a letter from the military. What do I have to do here? Yeah, they're anyway. slow adopters. But politically, yeah. it was good. They then were, I, yeah. I became a, a prosecutor, uh, which I thought would be a good fight in the battle. But then I just realized I was putting innocent people in jail because they had mostly shitty lawyers. Yeah. And uh, but uh, that's interesting. And where, were you a prosecutor in Toronto? Uh, London. Oh right, London. That's where you London, right? And then, uh, and then I, I, when I was in the university, I was cannabis positive, let's say, and I just thought most of the cannabis charges were bullshit. So I became known in London as a guy uh, who would just withdraw any cannabis thing that came that I could get my hands on. Really? Just because I didn't, I didn't believe incarceration was the answer. So then I, ended up, work. So I ended up starting my own firm, and then we started doing personal injury, and then I, I saw this nice balance that I would we know that coverage is key to cannabis use, right? You can get free Percocets and opiates from OHIP, but you can't get cannabis. Mm -hmm. So in the MVA, the motor vehicle accident regime, my firm was the first one to get insurance coverage. So if you got in, if you got uh, hurt in an accident, we, we figured out a way to put in a claim so that you would get coverage. Insurance would pay for your cannabis treatment plan. And then that's really around those uh, back in that time. Then I put an application to grow. We have a health Canada license uh, facility in St. Thomas. And then we opened up. You're an LP? Yeah, as well. Yeah, and then we opened up clinics to try and ethically uh, advocate for cannabis because I found um, that there's just a lot of charlatans and and corruption in the cannabis world, yes. uh, where everybody's getting paid through the back door and making yes. overshot claims. So we yes, you know it's funny that uh, I'm glad you even mentioned that. So again, I'll go back to when I started. You know, um, in 2000, in, when it was 2010, early 2011. Um, when the colleges came out with their, and I was glad they actually, the truth is, you know, it's funny, you, uh, even though I talk about other physicians' fears, I'm kind of glad, I'm super glad mm. it all happened because one, I had a full legal team. And uh, with that legal team, I was able to stay on top of all of cannabis law and affect cannabis change. Mm. That's how OHIP, that, like I got OHIP to cover the cost of an assessment in Ontario. Mm. Because of having a legal oh, wow. team, when they said it's not part of your investigation, I go, they're asking me what I built, it's part of the investigation. And but through all those things, you know, one of the main things that came out was uh, physician, not even physicians, because thankfully I never partook in, in any of this, these like educational grants or whatever they call these back end things that were happening even back then. The main thing that was so important to recognize that there, there was a, a um, people were chart like you had to fill out these mmar forms there was remember those mmar forms there was like 10 pages and yeah. people were starting to get affidavits to write them and they were charging like a thousand bucks to people okay. to just get an affidavit three thousand three oh you yeah you were back then too so they were charging what th- thousands of dollars for these things mm-hmm. and with the you know the, what everybody came out and said is you can't do that because what that does this goes back to my statement it takes advantage of a disadvantaged population mm-hmm. 
right? And so that's how I sort of started moving forward. But then all of well, a sudden, it wasn't even that. It was it was physicians participating in the black market. So they're getting paid to write scripts that were way too big so that the, the product could be diverted into the black they're market. They're still doing they're that. They're still doing that, right? They're, Every day. Yeah. They're physicians. Yeah. Actually, I got a call. Only 200 plant license? Yeah. I got a call that somebody asked me, can I get 60 bucks. grams a day? I go, yeah. fuck are you? Sorry. Actually, I'll fuck it. I'll swear, I'll swear twice because I, I got so fucking annoyed. <laughs> this guy calls me up and says, can I get 60 grams a day? Are you fucking nuts? Like, yeah. oh, no, we'll pay you. What do you mean you'll pay me? Like, what does that even mean? You know, like, like, ridiculous. That's a good, I forgot all about that, but that shit still happens. No, and if you're a doctor, you're going to do it. I can give you some business advice. Don't get too grand. Take a percentage of the, of the, of the overall take. If you're going to, if you're going to sell yourself crop. out, Every like re, make but, real but money. Even at the, to, right. Well, <laughs> so I'm thinking at the end of the day, like, is it worth your license? No, you're, like, that's yeah. why I've told many doctors, your license is worth millions. Yeah. You yeah. know, and you're selling it's scripts for two for grand. Two grand. Oh, right. ridiculous. I mean, it's ridiculous in the first place. It creates yeah. a massive conflict. Mm. Okay. So I love that you're doing that. Go on. I, you were just. Uh, I know that's pretty much it. Like I just, <laughs> I like, uh, but I represent clinics. Uh, well, our clinics. They're, it's clinics? called Medical Marijuana Consulting, okay. and we just. Where is it? where are they located? Uh, so we're based in London, but we service uh, the country. We help uh, law firms across the country, but then we also help vets because I have a veteran department because that's kind of a soft spot for me. But yeah, of course, I don't. I don't like what's happened because some of the pioneers in the vet areas, you know, they were they were they were. Uh, giving scripts that were too big, right? And then what was happening is a guy would get out, he'd have some PTSD, and then the other vets, because it was so lucrative. Like, do your, what are do your, your thoughts on that? Do your people know? So let me just give context because I don't know if people know. There's a 20% kickback if you bring, as a clinic, somebody to an LP. And when the vets started, uh, Health Canada was paying 15, uh, 10 grams a day, $15 grams, right? So over a, over, uh, a month, right, 10 grams, that's 300 grams, at 15 bucks a gram, $4,500 a month. Veterans Affairs was paying, and the clinic that found that vet was getting 20%. Wow. So they were getting $900 for signing up a vet. So what happened is then the vets got involved because they wanted to make money. I feel like they still are. No, they are in some ways. And so now people were just trying to collect vets to try to say that they needed it to get scripts that doctors are getting paid for, and they made hundreds of thousands of dollars. But what happened is guys who just really wanted to deal with a bit of pain and chill out now had closets full of cannabis and we're giving it to soldiers on base. We're using too much. It wasn't helping the vet community. So I understood that vets needed it, but our clinic just kind of says, look, we're not going to give you the crazy scripts. If you need something more, we can do it. But that was the principles behind why I started up. It doesn't make well, as much money, but it's, uh, you know. Does Veteran uh, Affairs only cover up to three grams a day now? Today, three grams a day, maximum 850 a gram. Okay. Unless you get a special authorization, and there's some docs that will write special authorizations a psychological or mm -hmm. a pain one and you can get that and there are a lot of people who want it uh, it's just hard to get it okay so my my biggest concern with this three it started it's, it they, they brought it down to three grams a day. Yeah. it actually makes a makes sense in my mind to do that i know all these guys are telling me oh i juice the, the shit <laughs> and i like I know can I use cannabis. Yeah. I know cannabis. You're not it's you, you hard can't to go through that. Fucking man, yeah. fool me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, but they'll come in and be like, "I need eight grams a day, or I ten grams a day." And then there's LPs that are that are, or sorry, then there's companies that are taking like all of these, you know, back ends. Like you said, they call them educational fees. And I've seen all of this stuff. This is we're like probably the only. I thought I was the only clinic in the country that thought that they never did that, mm -hmm. and. Um, and, but I, what I'm seeing is like, 
who the hell I don't care even if a physician like has the ability to write a, a script for 10 grams who in their and Tyler this is for you so who the hell needs 10 grams a day you're making distillate why the fuck are you so going home to make distillate? Yeah. okay but okay, distillate, I don't care you like you don't need to do that pound per like eight pounds of yeah. blood Okay, you get but, a quarter pound out of that. Okay, but you don't need to do strong, that. Though. It's very strong, but still, it's, a guy who's still one to one, they need to grow at least sixteen pounds that okay, you supply themselves. Right. So why? But why do you need to do that? Why do you need to do yeah. that? To give yourself medication. Okay, but so why you don't you give your medication? Right. You so give yourself medication in a different different form. You don't need to do that. But doesn't this is part of the I, problem? Like that people are having to make something make instead of getting themselves. a medication no no once we take? are able to make this to I mean, in canada will, it'll, it'll help it with change. that because yeah. to do it to do it in a crude way like if you have the high end it, fractional it, distillation yeah, machine. you don't need that much to do right. it if you have yeah. a couple hundred thousand dollar machine it's fine but you know what was grand. you know is you can get that yeah, that's true yeah. the uh in the states what I'm, i've become passionate about is they have a lot more suicides than us okay. and i'm trying to organize to go to like the governor of Michigan mm-hmm. and say, hey, look, you have a higher suicide rate than we do now. You guys have served in Afghanistan and Iraq. They have huge PTSD and Veterans Affairs doesn't pay for cannabis for them. And we have this nice That's body of research now. here that says, hey, this helps. Why don't we get the mm-hmm. governor, it's not federal, to, to start raising money and have like a, you know, a compassionate cannabis mm-hmm. program for vets. I think that's a win-win. There's yeah. lots of research supporting that, too, where states that have legalized medical cannabis have a way lower suicide rate among mm. um, veterans and any first responders, firefighters, yeah, for all sure. of that stuff. There's good evidence. Remember when I had uh, Dima, Dimitri, for D- Dimitri was on here. Dima's mm-hmm. a good friend of mine, Dimitri Furman. Yeah. Um, when he was uh, arrested in the U.S. Dude, it looks like you're a dogglehead. Right now, did you see that? Did you see that? It looks like one of those boggle doggle heads. Anyway, bubbleheads. Bubbleheads. Whatever. Okay, uh, it's like a squirrel. <laughs> um, so he was he was sent he was put in prison for in for seventy two days in Michigan. Well, no, not Michigan. My bad, because it's a, it was um, Ohio. Where is Ohio mm-hmm. is a state? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that horrible? Yeah. They just call me doctor. Thanks. There's um, a dental school in Ohio. Is there, Columbia, is there a medical Columbia. school there? Uh, There's a dental 70, school in for Columbus, 72 Ohio, days for actually the ice. Literally, ice came and arrested <laughs> him while he was yeah. buying a car in the DMV. For <laughs> he didn't even have cannabis on him. So uh, I mean, I think you have a very good point. So what's your method forward? In the how U.S., do, I just yeah, I do, think we how can do, we do that. I think the way I'm suggesting, like I'm trying to get into some governor's offices and get private subsidy for it, right? Because I think it's a win-win. If you can, if you can reduce suicides of veterans, that's positive, right? And it also reduces violence. Like I work on the West Coast, wherever uh, cannabis has been recreational for more than two years, police forces generally, their budgets come down 25%. There's less bar bar fights. There's less domestics. It's a you know, so I think Canada has a lot to look forward to. So what to about the on. argument in, in Colorado where they're arguing that domestic violence has gone up? Violence against women has it, gone up. It hasn't, from I, what I understand. I don't know who's saying that. But. It, it, it's, it's skewing the numbers. The population of Colorado has considerably gone up, and they're just measuring the end numbers. Uh, not so, the ratio. Yeah. Yeah, because mm-hmm. the percentage goes way down. I, I was a prosecutor. Yeah. I never had a domestic violence case I prosecuted that involved a high man. Right. right, meth, yes, yeah, cocaine, of yes, of alcohol, but never cannabis. Now, maybe that's just my personal experience, but you just, you know, the biggest, the biggest crime when I was a prosecutor with cannabis was stealing Doritos, really, right? From the so I no, but right, yeah. fuck. I mean, if, if that's the I worst. Had, I had a, a quick question. So, like with uh, with, redu- with using cannabis to reduce the uh, 
uh, the suicide rate, is it coupled with doing activities, or is it just, is, are you just looking at the cannabis, or is it kind of like in combination with yoga or something? It, uh, again, it's just, I think if you can't sleep, you can't heal. Right, and that's why sleep it works. Is the key. That's why sleep it works in car accidents. If you have, yeah. and people with chronic pain can't sleep. So Just talk into your mic if you don't mind. It's, oh, direct, sorry. it's super directional. It's sorry, uh, so sleep is important. But what I found with some of the vets is they, they just they turn inwards. You know, when they have alcohol, they're angry because they don't or feel narcotics. where they were before. Like alcohol and narcotics, right? And then anyway. if you have, if you get them on the right cannabis, not yeah. not too much, but just enough to have them sleep and get them out the door. Yeah. Once they get a baby step out the door, a lot of them can get back on the path. Yeah. Like right. One of my best friends here, he's like three tours in Iraq, has it pretty bad, pretty, pretty bad. And uh, it helps manage it, but it, uh, he says there's a times where it doesn't even matter. It's like it's more like mm-hmm. Then maybe move to MDMA or uh, yeah, shrooms. So, or uh, ayahuasca. Yeah, ayahuasca. There's, I, I'm, not that I can I'm First of all, of course, this isn't medical. <laughs> We're not giving any medical advice here. But, uh, <laughs> but the doctor said, but, yeah, <laughs> doctor said go, and, uh, go uh, ayahuasca. Hey, listen, there are a lot of uh, military vets out that, I, that I work with out in California uh, and, you know, part of Wounded Warriors and yeah. uh, uh, at the Cannibalist Retreat and stuff. Uh, they all do ayahuasca ceremonies, and it seems to have healed a lot of them. Now, I... Um, I certainly can't advocate for it, and I'm not knowledgeable or educated on it, so I don't want to say that that's what my go-to. Uh, but, but I mean, anecdotally, it's helping people, and I think there's some empirical evidence around that as well. So I think these are things that we need to look at because a lot of them are safer. Look, Al's already put away his shit. He can't hear it. No, I'm listening. I'm having a good time. Oh, all right. Al, you, you look so not high. I'm a medical patient, Doc. <laughs> the uh when i was in california the executives now are having microdosed uh, mdma lsd oh, yeah. so you, you get a bunch of engineers that want to solve a problem and you bring them in and, you, and no and so you give them a little bit of uh, lsd or, or whatever and they come yeah and they come out with solutions that they didn't even know they had problems to i have been for about six months microdosing Al, everybody hi uh hi tyler yo how are you Good. Good. And like like seriously, kiss people. it has knocked <laughs> the depression out of me. Microdosing really? with what? I, uh, mushrooms. Oh, beautiful. Psilocybin. Yeah. Psilocybin. Mm. Uh, usually 0. 0.2, 0. 0.3. Mm-hmm. Not much more than that. Yeah. I, I have ADHD. Mm. I've got issues with <laughs> freaky shit going on in my head. <laughs> I've got enough going on. Yeah. Uh, but it has made me feel... You look totally different better. than I've even seen you like a couple months back. Like well, yeah. Talking. I mean, like uh, uh, Paul has really been been helping me with understand that, and, mm-hmm. and and now I can go on and help other people. Mm-hmm. Well, I think uh, that I think this this brings us to the point of what Jen was talking about, and that's we can't just treat a part of a person. We have to treat a whole person because mm-hmm. we're the sum of our parts. Mm-hmm. And if we try to, and you know, traditional Western medicine is used to uh, mm-hmm. used to one disease, one answer. Right, we're <laughs> we have, we're very disease treating mm-hmm. individuals. Like that's the Western world. We have a disease, we have to treat it right now, and that's that's how we de- we pro- progressed over time trying to treat disease. Now, at one time, we needed to do that. We had polio. We had mm. like things that were we had pox. We had Infections. things that were that were literally killing mm-hmm. people every day. We had to solve those. Yeah. But you know, for the first time in I don't know a hundred years, the uh, mm-hmm. mortality rate is decrease like decreasing. Life expectancy is going down. Yeah. And uh, and that's because I think we never, you know, like everything in the world, we have to progress. Yes. We haven't been progressing and there's no education out there. 
Mm-hmm. But then, and you, so you mentioned we got to treat the whole person and it's about wellness and we need to start shifting our perspective. Again, I use the paradigm, I use the word paradigm shift all the time mm-hmm. and, and mindfully moving forward in medicine. I mean, I want to learn more about this, not just cannabis, it's about all of wellness. And yes. I think that progressive mind is what, what Western medicine needs to stop focusing on just the treatment of disease. You know, I never understood till now. The important, like I went to Mac to medical school and Mac's medical school focuses, you know, we got to focus on preventative medicine, prevention, prevention. That was the key. But, and we were told that, and I, I mean, I didn't do medical, so I've only been out of medical school for 20 years and I say 20 years, but like, that's what it was. And, uh, and I never really understood it till right now because mm. like life expectancy is going down. So, so we have education out there. Yeah. One, well, you just look when you go, I was on vacation in Cancun and I just had occasion with, um, to look at what the older people were doing, and they did, they literally have containers of pills, oh, right? Yeah. And so, and then the polypharmacy and, and, with elders yeah. is terrible. And so the new, but I think new medicine has to evolve. But we're yeah. not even looking at what all of those uh, pharmaceuticals do to the gut biome. Well, they're in, term, in terms of yeah. health, right? And it's it's destroying the gut biome, which oh, changes yeah. your whole physiology. Yeah. Big, big thing she yeah. gets every week from shoppers. Yeah. hundred and some odd pills in it. it it's a really right. And if, can, oh, if cannabis can get rid of that. So here's the paradigm shift. So here's the paradigm shift. And this is what I say all the time. We're so, to your point, we're so used to in medicine having nine pills to treat one disease. But now mm-hmm. we have one pill to treat nine diseases. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so how do we make that shift? Yeah. And I think it comes through education. Absolutely. Which I mean, edu- knowledge is power, right? And so I'm not advocating to anyone prescribe. I'm just Gen saying, come and, and learn. <laughs> I'm saying, yeah. come and learn, you know, and make a decision, make an informed decision. So what are you doing? Tell yeah. Jen. Okay. I'll, I'll Start go. from the beginning. Yeah. What, are you, what are you doing? So I, I'm a marketer. I'm a business person. I build businesses. And um, I got into cannabis through the rec side, actually, through some of my clients who were interested in figuring out how to do branding and marketing uh, in and around cannabis. And so we did a conference in January called the New Heights Cannabis Marketing Summit. And we brought the industry together to have the conversation. And it was a great event. And while we were putting that event on, CME Travel came to us and said, we love what you're doing um in the rec side but you know we would like to talk to you about partnering to do education for medical and cme travel has been doing cmes for doctors for over 20 years is that a net yeah that's a net so um so yeah they've done their continuing medical education um business for many years though they've worked with lots of physicians and they often take them on a trip so you'll go and write off a family vacation you'll you know learn in the sun and you get your master pro three credits an hour you come back and you know you're pretty set up for the year um and uh, unfortunately the college of physicians won't accredit any course in cannabis right now so no, but you want to hear something crazy Can i just interrupt <laughs> yes. you Do it. so back in 2011 before they knew what cannabis was i got a self-accredited for um, a medical <laughs> cannabis journal club so oh. i have a journal <laughs> club that's self-accredited that's accredited through the royal college wow uh it's called mcjc of hamilton the medical cannabis journal club of hamilton <laughs> through the, through tell the them self- to come to our event through, well, that's me it's me oh it's just all you it's all me <laughs> it's it, literally me okay i did it in two, so you're coming then I, it, 2011 and you get three credits for right. showing up but only if you're a royal college yeah. specialist anyway just an aside no, no, that's now okay. and then they stopped accrediting anything to do with cannabis again yeah. why yeah no i know and that's, that's ah. a very frustrating thing and what then you, i, I just i'm just thinking at some point i 
I don't want to interrupt Jen's introduction, okay. but I want to talk. Just remind me to talk about. I think you know we all hate lawyers, and I don't like a lot of them myself. But there, <laughs> there is a there's scope for them, and sometimes you just have to name defendants to get issues onto the radar, yeah. and then you get policy change. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like yeah. hearing. I want, I want to hear that. Yeah, and my, my, my point is this is a shout-out to everybody who's involved in medical cannabis or who, who should know more about okay. it, right? So it's medical professionals who are either involved in treating or you know may consider diagnosing or referring patients. They might work in an emergency room, and they have to treat it. So you know if you're an emergency room medical practitioner and you don't know about cannabis, you're not actually servicing the, the patients because if somebody accidentally takes it um how are you going to help them if you don't even right. understand endocannabinoids and you hear these stories of somebody accidentally eating a brownie thinking it was a regular brownie and then they go in the hospital and they think they're having a heart they're attack they're greening out they're just greening out but they yeah. don't even know and then a few hours goes by and they feel totally normal and fine and then yeah. they trace back what did you eat that day and they realize oh i ate this brownie so it's like even just being able to ask those questions yeah. when they first come in emerge is important right yeah um, i'm an emerge talk in the city yeah, exactly. And, and so is Dr. Vuki Tran. He's an yeah. emergency room doctor. We're seeing a, a larger... Mm-hmm. I don't know if we're seeing a large... That's maybe the wrong word to use. Because I don't know if we're just noticing the people that were already coming in for... Yeah, for there's more things. edibles available. And there's mm-hmm. a lack yeah. of education. If this it, was... Um, it's crazy. Yeah. If this was the, you remind me of Joe Rogan just with hair, but if this was a Joe Rogan podcast, <laughs> uh, we would cut right now to that YouTube video of the cops calling, calling uh, emergency. Yeah. yeah. Right? Amazing. I wish I had that here. Yeah. Yeah. I have the audio. Yeah. That would, really? that would be awesome to link. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah, of the cops calling 911. Yeah. Can we play that? I think I'm dead. Uh, can we close off the show with that? Next week, I'll, I'll okay. make sure that we have I've it. never heard it. But oh, I, it's so good. Should they, are those are the ones that climbed the tree? Or is this no. the no. no. calling? This is a couple. Yeah, yeah. the couple. That, right. The cop seizes the, yeah. the cannabis edibles and then eats it and then calls with his wife thinking they're dead. That's so amazing. <laughs> what are you uh, doing? I'm reading, reading your... Oh, take uh, it. We have a ton of them. Yeah. Uh, for the uh, cannabis educational for medical professionals, I had a conversation with uh, a head nurse at an emerge up okay. north, and uh, it was about uh, me helping her learn how to make stuff for her husband. Okay, because he was licensed. And in that conversation, I asked, "Are there courses that medical professionals can take?" Uh, nurses. They doctors, asked you. Uh, they asked you this? No, I asked her, and she said, yes, there is, but nobody's taking them. Yeah, it's very true. I mean, I've been running them for for five, six years for physicians. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. they, you know, getting but them out get there. mostly public yeah. come in, I guess, eh? Well, it's interesting. What we're doing is the way to... You have to still use a traditional pharma model, I think, in order to educate physicians. I'll tell you, physicians get no training in residency or med mm-hmm. school on drugs. We just on these. I mean, we learn about drugs, but we learn like we don't any new drug that comes out. You know, you're it's almost like self-directed on how to get there. Hold on. So when you're done, how does a physician learn about any drug when they're done medical school? Through For the, the most part, the pharma a drug rep that comes yeah, into the room right. and says, you know, oh, this is the drug you have yep. to use because it's going to cure your it, ah, it's going to cure your cancer, it's going to cure mm. your diabetes, and oh, by the it way. It's just going to kill you. It's also going to kill you in the in this uh, in the long run. But if we use that same traditional model, and then they do dinners and all those things, if we use that same model to go to physician groups and bring them in and learn about cannabis, that's what I've been doing for five six years. That's how you have to hit them. I. It's just not monetized. 
right? It's because just you know, uh, and, and, you know, a lot of the LPs are going into the seniors' homes and stuff like that and yeah. recruiting, mm-hmm. not educating them. Yeah. Right, recruiting yeah. all of the people yeah. there. Yeah. yeah, it's a good point. Which is why we're having both the professional ones. So if you're a business person or you're a medical professional, okay. like you go to the, the, the full day conference. Where can they find out about it? Yeah, so CannabisMedEd.com. Okay. And you can go to Hamilton on June 10th, or you can go to Toronto on June 12th. Um, so we're at McMaster, and we're at the Mars uh, Discovery Center for those two events. And then we have an evening event on Thursday, June uh, 13th. And it's only twenty dollars to enter, and this is for patients or patient oh, advocates. Really good, right? So if That's you great. know, like, and I did this one for me actually because mm-hmm. I'm a mom. My son was recently diagnosed with ADHD, and so you know, it's been in like within four in months. This room was. And uh, except maybe you know, no, I and, but just I like, have Adderall. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But trying to get a kid to take a pill every single day <laughs> of their life when they've right. never ever taken a pill before, I just didn't even anticipate. Like the doctor writes a script. And then we leave and we go home and I'm left to figure it out. Yeah. I don't get a brochure. I don't get any information. There's no education for me except, you know, go and Google kind of thing. And uh, then we're on this drug and he's throwing it up in his breakfast, you know, because he's never swallowed a pill before. And then, I, and, and you know, there's side effects. He can't sleep. He doesn't eat lunch. He, you know, tried, he's got more his, anxiety. So I've tried all of that. Yeah. You know, I so we settled a little bit. But my point is that, that I'm here in Canada. <laughs> I think everybody we're knows. Everybody in this. Yeah. Yeah. room no, knows the feeling I was I was riddling yeah I mean well. okay, these are but, awful drugs but this right? is showing you that the, the solution to everybody's issues is everybody's been prescribed something for attention maybe we just shouldn't be sitting still all day long yes we yeah. well there's that there's more active, I, like, that's a whole other can yeah. of worms did you but, see that there was that that Facebook uh, at least that video with you know the progression of the world and everything outside of education where yeah. The only thing that hasn't changed in the last 300 years is how we sit behind desks and put oh, our yeah. hands up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? The cell phone. Oh, I could go on another have a son, tangent. It doesn't, yeah. it's, young boys, it's not a good place. To, it's not. No, no it's a horrible Especially place for boys. Especially if you want to talk about teaching. Like no. the, uh, exactly. Right. But teaching. Yeah, I, uh, well, I was learning playing hockey. From no, a teaching. My son doesn't need it on the weekends. You know? From a teaching perspective, though, the teacher 100 years ago 100, was the only literate person often in a rural right. village. Yeah. Right. So they had something to deliver to the kids. So they had to sit still and print really out. Listen. Now, in the hands of these kids, our computer's more powerful oh, yeah. than the NASA computer, and they're still organized like they were 200 oh, years ago. Yeah. And if a little boy doesn't want to sit still because he's not doing farm work, yep. he's now a problem child. Oh, I know. And now right. we prescribe him, and, and, and he's not smart, and it's, not, and it's hurting. It's our point. young so boys look. are getting hurt by the system. Yeah. Yeah. I think My son, people were telling me since they... Guys, <laughs> everybody wants to talk yeah. about education. <laughs> we'll go off on... We even got... Al here doesn't even have a mic. He's like, fuck it, I want to be on the... Yeah. Yeah, what's what? Like, what did you say? Well, you know, when I got expelled from school, the principal called me a retard and she got fired. Yeah. Wow. Because I was a defiant I was told child. in fourth grade yeah. that I wasn't going to make it to high school. Thankfully, that guy school, was a pedophile. He's my middle prison. school uh, principal <laughs> told me I'd never, go, never make it out of high school. She's a member at our golf club. I went on a full golf scholarship, graduated from university. Nice. Let's, nice. Go. let's go golf. So that's a good story. You golf? I'm not as good as him. No, but, but let's golf. Right. But, you know, can I, can I just say, like, just I to finish off. him to my son, my son's yeah, story. Okay. Like he, people have been telling me since he was five years old that he probably has ADHD and go oh, get him tested. And I just didn't. And until this year, when he said to me, "Okay, mom, I'm struggling, and my, you know, I really need something before I go into grade seven. And so we went because I knew the first thing the doctor was going to do was write a prescription for a pill. I knew it, and I was resisting it. So my point is that it, you know, I'm hearing that cannabis might be an alternative. 
And, you know, I've met a company there's now that's doing like tongue it. strips instead of swallowing pills. So yep. there's innovation, there's mm -hmm. research, there's development, there's alternatives. And that's, I guess, the bottom line is my point, you know, and mm -hmm. we need to. But as an alternative, are we fearing that cannabis becomes, and I'm yeah, not playing know, devil's I'm advocate. Like the silver bullet to everything? Is well, that where you're we gonna only go? have one silver bullet yeah. in medicine. I talk about it all the time. What is it? Sleep? Somebody? Nope. Exercise. Exercise. Exercise, okay. Exercise is the one magic bullet. Yeah of medicine uh, and that's it that's the only thing we okay. have it improves your sleep it yep. improves your health it improves your diseases all this stuff all seem to go like not go away but improve sure. with exercise we've underestimated its use and in food history too, I would say. exercise is the only Still silver more. bullet we have yeah okay that being said i don't even remember what i was talking about anymore silver bullets right. comparing it to cannabis right so right so my fear <laughs> so so my fear and tell me if this is valid i, oh, I want to hear is are, yeah, so we're over. We're, we make all these claims, and everybody's going to end up on cannabis now. Are we putting ourselves in the same position that we did with every other like antidepressants? And like, like, yeah, are we well, doing? No, I mean, cannabis, we, we shouldn't be, and that's the whole point of education: oh, yeah. is what is it right for? It's well, not. It's not a catch-all. Go to Europe and see how the French treat one. I mean, they, they overdo it a little bit, but it's integrated into the society. You know, people, they don't people are equating uh, cannabis to wine. They do it all the time. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, quick story. I'm 55. In the 60s. Don't look a day over uh, that. Uh, nah. I love you. In the 60s, I was a case study at the Hinks Clinic and the Clark Institute for ADHD and hyperactivity. Mm. I was watched two days a week behind glass. Oh, you wow. were? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Wow. I, was, really? I was cabbed down OG. from my school. Oh, yeah. I'm OG, buddy. ADHD OG. Yeah. <laughs> um, and at 16, I, from 5 till 16, I was on high doses of uh, for raging and all that mm. kind of stuff. Uh, couldn't get through school. I quit the day I turned seven, or 18 years old and sat around for a year until my mom said, get a job or you're out of here. Spent a year in a halfway house. Mm. Okay. Uh, at 16, my doctor said, do you want to continue taking the pills? I said, why? Well, are you smoking cannabis? I said no. I was around it all the time. You weren't using cannabis. Yet? I wasn't using cannabis yet. And he said, if you're you, if you start using cannabis, quit the pills because it'll do the same thing. He said that exactly. Who I said this? Your my doctor? doctor. My my pediatrician. In the way, I, I had been seeing wow. this whole time, and that stuck with me. I didn't start smoking cannabis until I was nineteen. Which we're years still old. trying to get you to stop doing. Yeah. Well. You have the Shatterizer. Always. By the way, we changed April now. It's now called Vapril. Vapril. Okay. That's our uh, wellness our wellness pitch. Awareness. We're vaping awareness, yeah. That, how did it work for you, by the way, Vapril? Did you vape much? Uh, I, I told you. I you did. really smoke much I love in it. April. And you were was breathing. It, Maybe that's also why your choice. But, your, I, why, yeah. Yeah, but why your skin looks better. I, In all honesty, I've gone from about four or $500 a month in cannabis yeah. to about... 50 or 60 in shatter. Yeah. Okay. And although I can't just. Is it full shatter spectrum? Shatter? Yeah. No. It, it, it no. Most, don't you? Can't you press, I guess? Uh, it depends. It depends. depends That's on how you go. It's all from that. Okay. It, I do believe in full spectrum cannabis yeah. over yeah. distillate yeah. and all that. Yeah. Distillate, I'm, you're not going to get where slowly getting I totally agree. And stuff like that. All right. Um. So, whoa. <laughs> 
this was a great heated <laughs> man i loved it all yeah. uh, but uh, there was one thing we wanted to go back to which really makes sense to me so to how well but where i'm lost actually and it's it's to this legal thing um it takes a defendant you have to find the defendants and then just yeah. take the cases forward. Yeah. And I mean, that's what happened with, uh, with you know, the Smith case, with the Allard case, with all the yeah. cases we're seeing. You know, I've been expert witness a whole bunch of times for cases that, you know, that people just come forward on. And there's all these challenges. But but how do we move forward to uh, to making it, I guess, more at research and education? I don't know. I'm just I'm just trying to think of how we... How, how the legal system can help. I mean, in Canada, it has helped. Canada, the, I think it's because of the legal system or the judicial system that our government has, mm-hmm. is where it is. Would you agree with that or no? Yes. No, no the, without the legal system. Like, you have to challenge it under the charter. Yeah. Right? And uh, I was just, I was down in San Fran the other day, and I, I was surprised by my ignorance, but I didn't know that the, the catalyst for medical legalization in the U.S. was the AIDS community. And it was uh, those people suffering from AIDS oh. that made the first challenge for that. medical cannabis. Oh, I and I, and it's cancer. no, and uh, and pride parades coming up. And I'm like oh, thinking, yeah, and so we have a marketing, yeah, yo, get back over here. Yeah, <laughs> we have ah. a we have a we have a marketing genius that works with us. And so what we're going to do in June is. Like that's something to be proud of. Like the, yeah. the, the that pride community now is is recognized. But let's be proud that that it was those courageous people, you know, suffering from AIDS who stood up to get it. And then from there, a, a slew of American court court cases came, and then Canada followed suit. So, challenging the laws is important. The one thing that I'm looking to do, and it's just, it's hard because there's not enough time in the day. But I, I've done some charity work with um, or volunteer work with First Nations where mm-hmm. they have a, an opiate epidemic. Right. So you can go in there and get mm-hmm. Percocets paid, but we can't. And this is oh, you'll maybe like this. So veterans who serve our country and get post-traumatic stress rightfully get cannabis covered. Why wouldn't a residential school survivor who had post-traumatic stress mm-hmm. imposed on them by the government from stealing their kids? Why can't they get paid? Mid-90s. Why can't they get paid cannabis for their PTSD? Like, I'm, I support veterans getting it, serving our country, but how about people who got it because the government gave it to them? Mm. And so what I want to do is a lawsuit suing the federal government saying that they should get that coverage because if it gets on the desk of Trudeau, he it's might do yeah. That's actually right now because really there's great. a big tra- uh, class action yeah, suit going on with the day mm-hmm. schools, right? The day residents. Yeah, the residential now, schools, yeah. So that's going on. But just for coverage, like ODSP. Yeah. It's actually a really good idea. So I've been working here with Six Nations mm-hmm. since, you know, for about five, six years and uh, we've met with the, you know, the, the all of the people, yeah. and um, and the government, and, and they can't figure out how to get it covered. Find me six like residential great. school survivors because I can't get anybody who'd show up to my appointment. I've gone to a bunch of reserves asking people to show up. Find me six people who are designated residential school because it's also uh, descendants, yeah. right? So grandkids. Mm-hmm. No, I'll come right here. No, but I'll come here and then I'll launch the suit because should, they should. We should talk Let's to the CDC because they had a show yeah. about it last week yeah. and they were talking to interviewing a bunch of them. Same with ODSP because the people who are suffering the most from opiates are poor people because if I have an income, I can pay for some cannabis to avoid it, right? But if you're an ODSP, you got chronic pain, you worked as a blue collar worker, you're suffering, yeah. you can go get free opiates. 
but you can't get cannabis and you don't have enough money. So I would also like to sue the government for that coverage. Well, we have yeah. a lot of those patients. I would say yeah. about 70% yes. of our patients are ODB patients. Let's I'm put them, the, let's put them together. Yeah. We, what well, we can so do long. that. I mean, we could, that I have, a, I'm sure people even listening. watching or listening now, if you guys want to get in contact, just DM me and then I'll send the information yeah, we'll off to you. I would definitely be in, in on that. I'll tell you, ODB, when I, again, I go back, I know I haven't only been doing this a decade, but even when I started, they were the same as the military and the same as uh, WSIB and all those guys that basically told me to go fuck myself <laughs> even for the cost of a vaporizer. Actually, we used to get like nasty letters from ODB as well saying, stop it, don't yeah. even, no, no, no. Really? And all of a sudden now, but now ODB is Changed. covering the cost of a vaporizer. Mm. ODSP will cover it. As long as we send a letter with them. Yeah, we, we send, send the letter. letter. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that's covered. reasonable. Yeah. But mm-hmm. the cost of cannabis, why isn't it on formulary? Why Why mm. are, Why are? is every five different narcotics are on formulary? The government's mm. making and all that tax money back for all the they money hide, they lost over the last 40 years they, in the black market. They hide behind the lack of DIN. Yeah. Right? Mm. And that's what they say. There's right. no DIN. There's no so DIN we can't, on aspirin. Even with First Nations, because they have the NIHB, right? The Non-Health Insurance uh, Board, where you can get covered. And they just said, no DIN, we won't pay for it. And it's hard for us because cannabis is kind of in wellness, yeah, right? Between rec and medical. Well, it has a spot in both. I mean, but a lot of medications do. Aspirin is a medicine, but aspirin you don't need a script for. Mm -hmm. Aspirin doesn't have a DIN number, but it doesn't have a DIN number either. Mm -hmm, And if it did have a DIN number, well... Why is that cut? Why is that? Yeah, Asp- yeah. We're talking about aspirin here. Why don't yeah, start yeah. with just taking the tax off of it for <laughs> medical patients? Start oh, yeah, somewhere. That's a good idea. Like, why is yeah. it taxed? It's the only prescription drug that's taxed. Mm. Yeah. It's a yeah. good point. They're all, these are all very I, good points. I firmly I? believe the government just wants to try and make as much money as they can for all the money they've lost not doing it in the past. That's what I believe. Because yeah. they shouldn't be taxing I it. I don't think they're that way. complex. I don't think they're. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I, don't, I think they're just scared yeah. of political yeah, implications so of doing <laughs> stuff. <laughs> uh, and also, like it's easier Aurora to keep. Aurora I think it's easier to keep doing what you're doing. Just paying yeah. out their patients' tax. Yeah. So that's that's. I wonder what they're taking in. No, they're losing money. All LPs are losing lots of money to that tax. Tons. Yeah, those who are covering the costs of it. Lots of them aren't too, though. But yeah, I mean the markup still the markup is you know three dollars a milliliter. You know, it costs sixty cents to grow a gram. Yeah, Yeah, but they just wrote down their bad purchases, which were which were which were questionable. So that's why they lost a lot. It's true, but that tax is a big part of it for Aurora. I know that it's a big part of it for all for for patients in general. It doesn't make any sense. I did a couple press releases. Doesn't matter. I mean, at the end of the day, if you're not going to treat it like a medicine. You know, they've, they, they're fundamentally, for some reason, against the idea of cannabis as a medicine. Yeah. But and the, it, if it, what's the tax on cannabis? 13%? Plus a dollar per, plus a per dollar gram. Per, per gram. So six, bucks, so six bucks versus seven bucks? Like, yeah. if I needed it, it wouldn't stop me. Like, it reduces my amount. You also if you're getting 30 grams, yeah. that's, you're, you're paying an extra dollar per gram. Yeah, it's not per order. It's per, per gram. Per gram, yeah. And yeah, it depends where you live. If you have becomes to get it a lot of money. Versus... It becomes well, a it lot all, of money. No matter what, it has to be shipped if you're getting it medically. Can you mm. buy it at a medical dispensary? Yeah. There's no, no, there are no, there's no such oh, okay. thing as a medical dispensary. Okay. No. So the again, only option is the government well, wants to make money at every right. touch. They're there never money was. when you purchase it. They're making money when you deliver it. They're trying to make money on every touch. But to your to your listeners, I know that you get you have a lot of blue collar workers here, yes. and people often ask. I just got a question on my Instagram: Why would I go medical when it's rec? And I, we discussed this before. Well, one, medical costs are a tax deduction. So if you do, Correct. it doesn't help for ODSP. Mm-hmm. But if you're a contractor, 
it's good to get a script mm. because now you can use your cannabis coverage for the year mm-hmm. as a legitimate medical expense on your sole proprietorship. Yep. Also, insurance benefits are going to cover it later. We're moving in that direction. Mm-hmm. So we if, having, I'll just mention yeah. that just to plug what I'm like, just to say what I'm doing because yeah. I think it's great. We have uh, Epic Evergreen Pacific Insurance Corporation has uh, cannabis coverage. In Ontario, it saves you about 15% on your cannabis. In BC, Mm. it's about 25% on your cannabis. It all has to do with taxation. Uh, And so there are, and a lot of other, and and that's a guaranteed issue individual product. (coughs) Nobody cares what disease process you have. Mm -hmm. Um, And so anybody can get it. So there are benefits that are coming Coming out. And that's one of the main reasons to stay medical. Yeah, because that that way your insurance your benefit provider will look and say, hey, were you just That's using right. this rec? But if you had a if you had a script a script before it was covered, especially that shows that you know it's legitimate. Mm-hmm. Later. Especially if you're working at you know the Fasco or whatever. And then later, I don't know if we'll have time later, but the issue that a lot of people are dealing with is if they have CBD only cannabis, right? And they're getting fired or they're getting pulled over because of the smell Let's of talk cannabis. About that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why don't we talk about so just some other quick reasons for. Just as we close, that's actually a good thing to close to close off with. I have one little thing I want okay. to say to you before we close. All right. So, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. We, okay. I mean, I'm not rushing out yeah. of here. <laughs> so um, the other benefits of staying medical would be your carry. You can you, carry 150 grams instead yeah. of 30. You can store as much as you want. I think you can do that yourself as a regular person Anyhow, too. Yeah. Can you? you can grow it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. You can store as much as you want. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, mm-hmm. for me, it comes down to coverage. Mm-hmm. Uh, from a medical perspective, it's tax write-off and it's a write-off. Mm-hmm. Like the driving the, laws the change as well when you're a yeah. medical patient. Driving laws change? Yes. Um, the way it's written, it's 0.5 nanograms per milliliter of blood, right? And then it's a sobriety test as well. If you're a medical patient, there's a lawsuit in Halifax over it right now about them wasting a medical patient's time because she was sober. Mm-hmm. And then she's suing. I think. I think. I think. Yeah, though, when MS. it comes to when it comes to uh, impairment, that's the word I was looking for, guys. Before impairment, mm-hmm. when it comes to impairment, right now, it's very difficult to assess for anything. I don't think any drug driving is we is is been. I mean, less than a one percent conviction rate because we don't have an accurate yeah. me- measurement. You can talk but, to that. Yeah, and so I have a lot, uh, a few ex prosecutors, crown attorneys work for me, and it's very difficult. Unless the person's so wasted, it you can prove impairment if the person's so wasted. Right. Like right? through standard field sobriety. Yeah, testing. like they can't stand, they can't speak, but they don't know what they're like before. But uh, what I what I've recommended to people though is if you're going to carry it in your car, carry carry the license, carry the bottle that's mm-hmm. CBD only, just as one thing. And then our clinic started giving um, medical cards we would make that said, "Here's a prescription, here's a 24-hour nurse." It just makes it look a little bit more legit, mm-hmm. so the cops don't fuck you over. Yeah. But even though the conviction rate is really low, it's cops yeah. still will dick you around yeah. if they smell mm-hmm. cannabis because they're old dinosaurs. And so if they arrest you, impound your car, charge you, now you got to pay some lawyer to get you off. The punishment is there before you're the acquitted. Yeah. Yeah, that's and so you so have to be informed about how you use cannabis. So what should they do? Carry yeah. Script, so carry, that's what you did when we left Canacrawl. He had a script where he was pulled, pulled over. over. And I came yeah. Canacrawl, yeah. Yeah, but even, I mean, that also goes to to the rec market. Sure, that's a good reason to stay medical, but for people that are just recreationally or, or lifestyle reasons using cannabis, we should it's legal. We shouldn't have to do go through all this rigmarole, but if they're using CBD, mm-hmm. it's still legal to use CBD yeah. only. So yeah, You can smoke it as yeah. you're driving. At, you, you that's know. right. It, yeah. uh, you can literally, exactly. Uh, it's less than but one. you'll get charged if right. they pull you over and they smell 100% r- weed in there and you don't have like your 
your stuff wired tight like and even still you still may get charged which is which is what we struggle with mm -hmm. huh. so what do we do tyler recently went through a ride didn't you yeah i've been through a ride in toronto <laughs> i feel recently. like we just said that well, yeah, welcome the first back thing they asked me was, have you used any cannabis today it was yeah. the first thing they asked me and then they asked me another question if there was cannabis in the car and then they went on to ask about alcohol and i was clean i was with a bunch of drunk people yeah i was the only sober person there were a few vape pens in the car but so doing I, ask me if you were to talk to me or one of the, the prosecutors of my firm, what's to say at that? What at are that you supposed, what do you say okay, so at that? that? I'm this is how you. I can't <coughs> advise you to lie. Of course. But <coughs> the laws just changed for alcohol. So in the past, they had to have a reasonable suspicion you consumed alcohol. No, they... So when you go through, if you said I had two beers, which most people think is safe, boom, you're going to do a breathalyzer. Yes, That's 100%. Right? right? They just changed that law now. and we have, There's some interesting cases where they can just look at you, pull you over, and make you blow. That's yeah. unconstitutional. That mm -hmm. case will be struck down. It's actually our firm is doing one of those. Mm -hmm. But if you say you have cannabis, what's really interesting, if you're driving and they say, hey, have you used cannabis? The law is crazy because now they can search everybody in your car. What? Not just the driver. It's bullshit. Mm -hmm. But just because what? you said <coughs> you have cannabis, they can search everybody in your car is not mm -hmm. a suspect in anything. I don't know. They just wrote it so to try and get everybody they, in. It's, oh, it's hold on. Part of the Cannabis Act. Is yes. It, is it though? But yeah. so I'll tell, well, here's another like, I mean, they can, I was driving just with my wife in Toronto and I got pulled over and they asked her for her license. No. Bullshit. And so and she and so she spoke up. Of course, you yeah. know yeah. her. And she's what the fuck you want my right, right. <laughs> what the fuck you want my license for? So on, they said on any reason we can ask for no. for a license. No, only the driver. It's because she's per, she's no. Persian. No, only the they driver. Totally profiled her. Only the driver. But if if the, if you say there's if they think there's cannabis in the car, they can search her. Yeah. But the passenger doesn't have to show what? idea. For cannabis, it's bullshit. But what? Are, but what are they going to do? You have can? You're not allowed to have cannabis in the car. No, I know. Keep it in the truck. No. But, I Even if it's in a truck, back where I would put beer or alcohol. Yeah, okay, but I still no, don't you can understand. have a case. You can have a case That's unopened a in your backseat, right? Right, and you can't search everybody in the in the in nope. the car just because you have a case of beer in there. But with cannabis, you can. And Nick and Cake, the, Nick Cake our, our lawyer, is one of the biggest advocates against this. Uh, so what's the point of it, though? What are they going to do? Can they convict the non-driver of right. being in a vehicle with holding cannabis? Or it's, it, if the driver can access it anywhere in the vehicle, yeah, but you can't access somebody's fucking pocket. Doesn't matter. Uh, Paula's gone through this. Yeah, and, uh, her friend had some, and the cops said, "I'm just going to give you a warning right now, but it is accessible to the driver." Mm -hmm. So and that guy can pass thing. it up, just like you would not drive down the road with an so, open bottle of booze. Where's the argument mm. against a hatchback car? I drive a hatchback. <laughs> when I got pulled over that day <laughs> leaving Canacrawl, I yeah. hadn't over an ounce of weed on me sitting in my trunk i told him it was in my trunk but yeah. technically someone could access that and why it is problematic in our society is it gives discretion to the police officers so if you're a white kid at western mm -hmm. cop will treat you different than you're if an urban youth in toronto yeah. with a car so you know it's giving them this license to you know to profile, profile. And certainly so. so what do we so and and then the cost of having to go to court oh, God, finding yeah. a lawyer oh, yeah. So, the, I mean, are we really making a difference right now yet? I mean, baby steps. Baby steps. Baby steps. I the, think it's all about collaboration, right? I'm a big collaborator, you know? And so it's like, it, I, my philosophy is if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. So yes. you've got you to come to the table. You've got to have the conversation, even if you don't agree. And we didn't all agree today either. It makes it more interesting to have the debate, right? Mm -hmm. um, but there is another group I wanted to kind of flag that should also pay attention to this, and that's the sports medicine group. 
It's a whole other can of worms. And we've got Rob Freed, who's one of our speakers, and he's a former um, professional hockey player, and he's suffering from traumatic brain disorder. And I don't know if you guys saw, but the NHL Alumni mm-hmm. Society and Hennepin are doing a big mm-hmm. uh, study on this. So it's these kinds of things that is going to push the industry forward, you know, and you need Unfortunately, sometimes you need a celebrity or an NHL alum society to try to get it on the radar and raise the funding that mm-hmm. is needed and get more research out there. And But, you know, like I was talking to a lot of professional sports players. Um, there's a and blessed Angela. She was telling me she's a Muay Thai boxer. She's been on my she's podcast. She's been on your show. Yeah. I love her. She's amazing. And she was saying, you know, as an athlete, you go to your coach first. You go to your trainer first. You go to your physiotherapist first before you go to your medical yeah. doctor because then they'll say, oh, you need to go and see a doctor for this. Yeah. So yeah. those people should be coming. The too, yeah, you know, so the right? issue like, in sport, it's a really good point you raise. I, I, I'm, sports medicine is my other thing. So I did my fellowship in sports You do medicine. everything, I right? I know, it's ADD. <laughs> <laughs> so for, All right, ADD. I was, it's a good I was with the Ticats for four <laughs> years with, okay. under Doc Levy as an yeah. assistant and then with Mac Rugby for like seven. Um, it's a systemic issue. It is a systemic issue. The issue is the way that athletes are brought up through the system is here's your here's your pill here's your mm. pill mm-hmm. take your pill go back and work go and work work mm-hmm. work coaches all the coaches mm. are all about work 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 go back to work eh, medicine says don't work we're going to take that into consideration a little bit to the point where you know at one point we were literally giving out uh, you know these little brown packets filled hmm. with um flexoral which look like little home plates where the where the players didn't even know what the fuck they were at like what mm. they were taking they're like doc can i get the home plates can i get the home plates and the little white Tylenols, the white, those little white slits, and and you'd get them in these little things, and and so it's a systemic issue that has to start. And you raise a really good point. It's time to do that. There are athletes pushing that boundary that are still not retired yet. um, but it's a similar issue with the vets. Like, you know, we have, we put them up as heroes. They're amazing when they're healthy and they're strong and they're going off to battle or they're going to play the sport. But the minute they get hurt or they come back with yeah. some kind or of they're illness. Out, released, or they're released, retired. Yeah, right. they're The retired, NFL like, retired football guys. Yeah, yeah like Rob, Rob basically had to walk away from his career dying. after 75 concussions, yeah. right? And he couldn't work mm. and he had so many issues. And so these are the, the stories that we need to think about and hear about and, and I don't know, but maybe we can also just talk about what you think, Tyler, are some of the, the illnesses that are showing the best response right now or evidence for medical uh, cannabis. Because I think that's also, you know, something that people should just, you know, brain trauma is one. We talked about it, sleep, chronic pain. But there's probably a few there's others. A yeah. Few that we should there are. Yeah. Like seizures is another one I've been reading a lot yeah. about. And the MS Society is doing a big study yeah. right now so with cannabis. There's a lot of research out starting to come come out right now i think chronic pain is where 75 percent of the patients that present to clinic correct me if i'm wrong tyler yeah about 75 percent would be chronic pain. Are, are here for chronic mm-hmm. pain and so mm-hmm. that's the area that really needs the focus but i'll tell you that there's been nails already in the coffin landmark trials i mean we go back to jama 2015 you know we have meta-analyses which are our, our highest level of uh um of of evidence i mean showing the benefit of cannabis uh, in chron- in chronic non-cancer pain, but yet people don't want to look at it. And you show me the evidence for your opioid people. That's what I say all the time. You know, I, where where the fuck is your evidence? Your evidence, you don't have any evidence. But there's a lot evidence. of evidence of how bad it is, of how addictive it is. So somehow evidence. we can ignore that. So, yeah, we do <laughs> it. We do it really well. Selective. There are dis- guys you know. in sport though that are pushing even athletes yeah. in there now yeah. that want to be like the first to start using. Even THC. We need those people to stand up a bit more and yeah. speak it's out. Hard, but really? yeah. 
you know, it's, it's hard. hard. It's hard. It's hard with that. Well, you know, if and we're not honest about athletes. Like a lot of the pro athletes are using cocaine. Because oh, yeah. it's oh, really? hockey players. Right? Really? Like hockey right now, it's the big thing, right? Right? And so it's sensory enhancing, slows down, the, you know, their brain speeds up so they can make decisions. So the pressure to perform is there. It's just when they get out, like Gary Lehman and uh, Ally of Freddy, I chatted with them because they were part of the class action. Right? Yeah. right? Nice. Uh, oh. But that, that class action was dismissed, but they're trying to do But if you see them, you can tell that they have brain injuries from oh, repeated concussions, right? And why do, why do, we, why do I have... 20,000 grown-ups cheering uh, 16, 17-year-olds in junior hockey punching each other in the oh face. Oh, my God. It's so just right? where is the Where is the responsibility yeah. for yeah, that? I just yeah. wrote an article on how uh, ch- childs tackle football is child abuse. Yeah. Yeah. Like if, you, if you're putting your 9-year-old kid and tell him to drive the two nuts in his face mask into another all day long, like you, you, we know you're causing brain injuries. Right. Yeah. Right? Why are we allowing that? Why is there still fighting in hockey? It's, it's ridiculous. You know, what I mean, there's a serious argument to be made that it mitigates for worse damage. Where? I support what do you mean? that. By cheap I support protecting your team by fighting for them because yeah. if you allow the refs to police the game, people are going to no. be getting rammed from behind exactly. to get thrown you out get, of games. No, it's that that's that's an emotional that's an emotional uh, justification because yeah, we yeah, like because we like what we're used to, right? right. If yeah, you institute a hitting from behind ten game suspension, you don't need a very arbitrary, unfocused That's policy right. of guys beating the shit out I of think, yeah, other less guys. Like, guy keep keep it. like in tennis, five minutes of ice time yeah. a game will rear end the crap out of a star to take yeah. him out for That's, ten games. Okay, but that can happen in football. That can happen in soccer. It can happen in basketball. It's not you can't fight to defend from. Okay, but basketball doesn't have more concussions because of rear ends. You know what I mean? You, like, uh, you're also not without moving the at 40 kilometers an hour in basketball. Let me talk to you about rugby. I, I let me talk. You're I'm also a rugby not moving player. as fast in rugby. Okay, but you have far less head injuries in in hockey, to be honest, than yeah. you do, than you do because of the momentum. All the mm-hmm. rugby and football are the two top head injuries. The, I do micro, research in both of them. The, the you micro. do get yeah. I'm not arguing against yeah. like you know yeah, what other my, sport can you be crushed into boards? It does, doesn't matter. I'm talking about I, I hear you, but that. it's uh, it's also the the. But momentum. dude, fighting doesn't stop that. Fighting doesn't stop. That's just a. That's just Sorry. a. That's what was a level of hockey? I agree with you. What was the level of hockey you played? But it doesn't matter. I played junior B. Brad May broke my nose twice. There you go. Ha! 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 I I was one of the scrappers. <laughs> right. And it's bullshit. It's bullshit. Yeah. That, that small skilled players, yes. we, we perpetuate a masculine, uh, yes. ridiculous sense yes. of you'll go out there and get into scrap if you don't like it. How, and now I got some idiotic coach mm-hmm. telling a kid about honor. He doesn't know anything about That's honor. Right. And no, he's no, telling no, him, go I'll fight that guy out of honor. I'll disagree but, with that all day long. But and you fight why? He says it, and so many but NHL why? players say it. Why? Why, why? why do they say? Why does it have to be there at all? Look it's a at Tory Krug last hey, fucking it's a, game. It's a sport. He ran from one end to the other wow, and pushed the guy. That guy's here. Out for the next <laughs> game. Yeah. So, so then fighting back is so. Yes. No. How's fighting back? The answer to that. That guy's suspended for the rest of who knows. That guy didn't get suspended. It has nothing to do with the game. It has nothing. It adds nothing to the game. And then the goalie even made a comment that his pupils were so dilated that he thought he was on cocaine. That's what the goalie Binghamton said. Yeah, come on, you believe that? Of course they're gonna say shit like that. Oh my god. My cousin's in the NHL. He says they all do cocaine. Okay, no, I don't disagree with the cocaine. Yeah, yeah, no, they do cocaine. I'm not disagreeing with that, but the emotional mind is blown. the emotional response, wow. the emotional response at that moment of some guy, goalie, looking at a player saying his eyes are okay. fucking blown. You can't. You so can't, how about this? On. 
So they Come go on, and that's start two-handing your goalie, knowing that they're not going to get beat up or pushed out from in front of the net. Listen, that you just have to. to you just have to. No, it doesn't have to happen. You just have to yes. implement the, proper the, rules. The same. The right, same. Let every goalie get their hand. The, the same thinking would say that cops could beat the shit out of anybody to stop crimes. But they do do that. Okay, but should we make right? it legal that cops can just beat the shit out of people to stop crimes? Because that's the you deterrent. Like that's not the way. Completely different scenario. No, it's not. It's real life for sport in that situation. Listen. A real life, okay, so cops, what's their thing? <laughs> Serve and protect. They're not I serving love, and protecting. You know what I love? You, you, you're like lost all oxygen. If you're in your hockey, face. you're serving and protecting your team. The only yeah. way to get justification over a ref is by taking it. Okay, into your so own let's hands. have gang war, turf way, war. Okay. Come on. You're, so I, your argument your is child. ridiculous. Are you going to leave it to the cops to do something? Or are you going to go well, fuck you that should. guy up? I mean, well, I'm not going to go fuck him up because you're going to go to jail. Yeah, I dude. would take that all day, go to jail to save my come, kid's life. Come well, on. no, your yeah. kid's life is already safe. The act is over. Kid, the act I mean, is over. That's not the way to solve problems. Yeah, you support your kid. Violence isn't the answer. It will be in hockey forever. Monumental podcast. Yeah. It's not in the Olympics. It's a heated debate. It's European hockey. No, it's the world. Who cares what hockey it is? European okay, <laughs> it's so world the Olympics. They would like, right. and I it guarantee they would the like world. to fight. And then look at look at the Keep, Summit Series in 1972. Did they not fight? Keep, oh, you're going. How far back do we have to go? We have to progress, Tyler. Progression I will always support fighting in hockey. Well, you all shouldn't. Day long. You shouldn't. I mean, Tell it's just me violence. I'm not going to change my mind. Okay. Well, no anyways, that's just ignorance. Come on. Okay. I love you. Call it ignorance. And can, let's gain some. What? Fuck! Ask any hockey player. <laughs> There's a lot of hockey players who wanted to be skill based and not yeah. have to fear that somebody's going to punch him in the face because they yeah. they had an accidental collision or something, or or be at the whim of a coach who decides to send somebody out to punch somebody out. Yeah. And right. then because it can be misused, right? Because some turn into coaches sending people to run people from behind. But that's what they that's, used to do. Yeah. Or that's what they, they used to do. They don't do that anymore. That There's that. no need to do that. Okay. This Epic podcast. Awesome. Wow. Epic. Epic. I opened up a can of worms there. Okay, we don't condone violence here. I don't know. Tyler, cannabis stops violence. Stops. See what Kadri did for an example against Boston and got suspended. And then two games later in the San Jose game, a guy went at another guy, but he physically injured him on purpose to take him out. Kadri it's wrong. Kadri went to do it <laughs> on the point purpose. Is, it's wrong. Yeah, but Kadri had a history of doing it. It's wrong. It's again. just wrong. Hey, I'm golfing with Bertuzzi on Friday. Nice. You know, and oh, we'll really? talk about what happened to him. Uh, yeah. yeah. That yeah, was that horrible. Was that was that, re- I remember that hit. The reaction yeah. to it. Go- I'm at golf with a bunch of NHLers on Friday who are who are now mm-hmm. looking for cannabis options mm. uh, as a way to treat Tell their concu- just concussion maintenance, <laughs> concussion prevention, and recovery. It's a very good... Uh, it's definitely mm-hmm. neuro... I guess one of the last points we'll just say when we're talking about things is cannabis is neuroprotective. Now, when we talk about cannabis, we should talk about cannabinoid therapy because, excuse me, there are different cannabinoids. THC, CBD, you know, CBC, CBG, all these things, CBN. all the CBN, all the different, there's hundreds of them. So THC and CBD are both neuroprotective in their own right, So, which can be helpful for de- decreasing oxidative stress, post-neuro, uh, post-concussion, post-stroke, all these things uh, in PTSD. You know, if the question you want to ask, how, is it the, how does cannabinoids help with PTSD? Uh, THC decreases REM sleep. REM is where you tend to have uh, all your dreaming and you get the night terrors. Mm-hmm. So we decrease that. So mm-hmm. the general population in THC, maybe not so great, but people that mm. suffer from PTSD, 
certainly uh, can uh, benefit from it for decreasing night terrors and help them get a better uh, a better sleep. Then stage two, three sleep is improved with deep sleep is improved with CBD. Mm-hmm. So uh, all together, these things help. Do you need to have 10 grams a day to do it? I'm mm-hmm. going to say no. And, and you know, and you, or you end up with cupboards full of the stuff. So like you said, and I think Philip, you're doing the right thing and being vigilant and tre- just not even vigilant, just doing proper medicine, you know, practicing proper holistic, as you said, Jen, holistic medicine as well. Like treat the whole person, not just a little piece of them. Mm-hmm. This was an amazing conversation mm-hmm. that we had all around. Hockey <laughs> should end violence. <laughs> and uh, doctors, I mean, I believe in suing some Sue of them, more doctors. No, Sue more doctors. <laughs> I will bring controversy violence. to your podcast, <laughs> my friend. Just, oh, <laughs> on what you guys were talking about, yeah. the, one of the most noticeable things, and I think what started on the sports thing was the Diaz brothers. Yeah, that, that, Nick that started huge. it. Oh, yeah, huge. Uh, like, that got noticed right away. So yeah. the second a hockey player does that, it's standing like it's it's, it will. It'll, yeah, there are. There's football, but they're all retired right now. We need know, somebody who's actually I'm, playing. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard because like, remember, it's your career on the line. It'd be nice after a game just to to blaze up. I would do it. Right? Well, like I, I, I was doing that for <laughs> CFLers, right? Because yeah. they didn't test. Now they started testing for everybody. But up till like four, they? five years ago, yeah. they stopped testing. They weren't testing anything. Hmm. And then all of a sudden, have they you watched testing. the movie Ice Guardians yet? No. Oh, here we go. Okay. Uh, listen, <laughs> we're still on the violence thing. At least he won't let it go. Every single fighter from hockey okay. and everyone in hockey supporting. Everybody, yeah, fighting. Supporting. Sure, they all support fighting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We're, I'm moving on from your supporting of fighting. Um, we don't support fighting on this podcast. Period. Uh, thank you guys so much for being thank here. You. Hey, uh, what if it's plugs? Last plugs. Where? Check out your website. Where? Your. No plugs. Just uh, I like what you're doing. Good job, man. It's been a pleasure to Thanks. be here. Yeah, and, uh, have you can look on. me up if you search me up. It's easy to find me. All right. Yeah. Cool. Thanks. And let's yeah, do those lawsuits. Just, I will. That's yeah. actually really huge. Yeah, CannabisMedEd.com. Like, okay. Come check us out. Send us a note. We've got a news tab as well that feeds right into the Growth Ops channel, and we're posting this podcast on there as well. And um, Yeah, we want to hear from people. So, Are you involved with Cam- Cannabis Amnesty? Uh, I've got some emails, but I haven't had time they're to look really at it. Awesome, I should get into awesome that. Group. Uh, and they're I good like friends that. of ours. They're here in Hamilton, too. Introduce in me. I'd definitely like to help out. I usually have Rena on here. Uh, oh, she was here usually all the time. Yeah, and that would be excellent. Yeah, I'll get you in. We'll get involved with that. Cool. And if Beauty. I could just thank my sponsors. I've got Strain Print, The Growth Op, uh, Get Real Branding, and Ethical Image. They all... What's uh, Ethical Image? They are uh, an agency that helps... Um, Ethically helps people? Yeah, actually, they do. They they focus on cannabis, but they <laughs> give back. Like, they yes. are... Any Anytime they get any revenue, they give a portion of it to um, a charity. And oh. they're big on planting trees and that kind of stuff. I feel so, like if yeah. you put ethical before anything, it makes it good. Yeah. I, you know, practice ethical <laughs> Oh, they're stuff. awesome. They're awesome guys. So, yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Cool. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Till next Have time. Awesome day. Till next yeah. time. Have fun, everybody. That was fun. Bye. <laughs> Watch Ice Guardian. Oh, he's still on it. Now, Finn, why not? Trying to get on the Slice Radio website. Sounds like a cool website. Yeah, it's all right. You're listening to Lifestyle Radio. The opinions expressed during this show are those of the individual participants and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of their associated organizations or Lifestyle Radio.